Today we're going to talk about the probably the actual hardest question in health, which is mental health. And um, this concerns um, probably one of the most um, sobering things that happened this year in 2022, um, which I haven't talked about much publicly just because it's not an experience that most people have had. Um, and also, it's fair to put a trigger warning for um, anyone because uh, this involves um, discussions of mental health and suicide. So please be warned. And um, if this is triggering in any way, please um, delete this episode. Um, so this is a conversation with my friend uh, Jeff Myerson and Kelsey Hightower. The context of this is around about <clears throat> a little over a year ago, I think, uh, I was I would say June to July. Um, I have been a friend of Jeff, uh, who was previously the host of Software Engineering Daily, uh, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Um, I, you know, I listened to it pretty much religiously throughout my career change, and then uh, going on, I, I think I've been a guest on it a couple times. Um, and he was extremely successful and very smart, very well informed. I think a lot of people looked up to him. I think uh, the podcast had like between 30 and 50,000 listeners a month or something like that a day maybe I don't even remember um, I used I used to have the numbers somewhere but they no longer matter um, and uh, roundabout in June he started being uh, June of 2021 he started being fairly erratic um, most of us thought like okay a little bit kooky a little bit ambitious but nothing out of the norm for Silicon Valley ambition. Um, basically, he started hiring a CEO for his business and then branching out to two other, two or three other businesses and making extremely wild claims. And that was fine. Um, I think uh, I've maybe seen a, a couple of people a bit more delusional than that, but um, nothing really to be super concerned about. Uh, and then getting extremely erratic uh, by September 2021, sending notes to every VC in the Valley, um, include, and, and including me on it, um, because I guess we're friends. Um, and and uh, being, being, being extremely, <clears throat> um, I don't know how to describe it. I don't think I should describe it. Um, I think uh, what's done is done. Um, and it was a pretty uh, serious call for help, probably. Um, I had multiple calls with him during the time. And um, I, I, I took a lot of damage emotionally from that as well, but I tried to be a good friend. Um, I think ultimately uh, family members got involved, that professional services got involved. Uh, there's only so much that friends can do. Um, and then he seemed to make a full recovery um, in February. And this is where he tried to get back on the horse and mend his rep reputation. Um, I can talk a little bit more about what I tried to do at the end, but uh, it didn't really matter. I think what does matter is that uh, people who were willing to forgive him and give him a second shot and uh, welcome him back. And I think Kelsey was one of the first few high profile people that said, um, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to <clears throat> discuss this, talk this to in public. And uh, this is probably one of the last public conversations that they had. So um, have a listen, because I think this is a experience that I've never had. Most people, I don't think, go through until um, it's too late. So. Have a listen. Have you talked to anybody else or encountered anybody else who has dealt with 
some severe level of psychosis. Like, you know, what I, what I dealt with, you know, has been like much clinically defined as, as psychosis. I don't know if you've met anybody or if you've seen anybody through the pandemic or otherwise in the tech industry that's dealt with this. I think some people are dealing with it and they can't explain it. You know, like you'll have interactions with folks and you'll know something isn't quite right. And I think it's one of those things that you just can't talk about unless you really know someone closely. So I think I have met people who have been afraid to talk about it. I mean, I've seen, of course, colleagues that you're a little bit closer to express certain things, but I just don't think you can express it well, especially if it's the first time happening to you. You don't know what it is. Like, how do you explain it? And I, and I love to hear from you is like, people would imagine there's people around you saying, hey, Jeffrey, what's wrong here? And how do you even answer that question if you're kind of experiencing that while it's happening? I had a lot of people telling me that. I had a lot of family members and, you know, doctors. And, you know, for me, it was actually pretty bad because this was not the first time this has happened. This this happened to me. Something similar happened to me when I was in college. And I had kind of a, a long experience taking medication. And then eventually, you know, my experience with the medication was so hard that I was kind of wary of the treatments that were offered to me as this was happening to me, you know, and it's, you know, it, it's really hard as, as somebody who prides themselves on clean living and kind of uh, dedication to personal health as I have over the years to accept help when, you know, I sort of want to take it like a natural approach and, you know, knowing that something is going wrong with you is a lot different than knowing how to treat it. And, you know, it, it's really like what what made me kind of snap out of my deep paranoia was I finally was able to realize how much damage I was causing to myself and my career. And, you know, I, I still haven't like found the perfect remedy to overcoming this problem. And, you know, I definitely feel a lot better than I did. And I certainly feel more grounded in reality. But now I have this kind of like a new set of problems, which is that you know, people finding out about how, you know, how I was pretty unhinged for a while. I think it's caused a lot of loss of trust. And that's, you know, you hear all these quotes about like trust is hard won and easily lost, or, you know, reputation is the hardest thing to rebuild. And, you know, you just, you can't see it when it's happening, I guess. So I don't have a great answer, but you talked about the decision of, you know, as, as technical people, we like to weigh the decisions. Like, do I go out of this on my own? Do I take this particular solution? Especially if you have experience with one of the proposed solutions, how hard is that when you sit down and, you know, work through it? You know, hey, if I go down this medication route, did you feel that it was going to have even worse side effects than maybe going at it alone and just having to kind of you know, were you expecting it to kind of clear up on its own? Maybe walk us through a little bit of that. That's pretty accurate. You know, the science around medication for this kind of stuff is very coarse grained. It's not like what we have in computer science where you have a, a really fine grained understanding of an algorithm and you can prove that the algorithm is doing what it's supposed to do. A medication regime is a massive decision and it's it has impact that's going to last for years because you can kind of get on this treadmill of 
trying one thing and then it takes a month for that thing to work and then trying another thing. And, you know, if the side effects of one thing are really bad, then you have to take, you know, something else to alleviate the side effects. And then that thing has its own side effects. And in the meantime, you know that the root cause of this stuff, you know, I, I felt the root cause of this stuff was essentially things that I had done in my life. Like, I mean, the medical community has perspectives on chemical imbalances and genetics. And at a certain level, that stuff is, is very hard to prove. It's very hard to prove that somebody has a chemical imbalance or has some genetic proclivity. You know, even if you look into your family history and you see a pattern of other people having similar issues, there's no way to know if it's nature or nurture. You know, we mirror the things that we've seen in our childhood, whether we intend to or not. And so, you know, just because you see a pattern over time in multiple generations, that doesn't mean that there's some kind of genetic correlation there. So all this is to say that I really struggled to accept that there's something inherently chemically wrong. You know, I think it's more of a result of decisions that I've made. So, you know, I'm still kind of on the fence as to what I want to do medically about this. I'm choosing mostly to go down the path of changing my behaviors and engaging in, in more intensive therapy. The chemical side of things for me has has just been really something I, you know, I'd prefer to avoid if possible, other than maybe like acute, you know, taking I think what would have worked better for me is if I would have, there are medications you can take for more acute scenarios. And when I was really spiraling, I think taking medication for the acute situation would have been more appropriate as opposed to a chronic medication. I want to move on to accountability, but before we go there, as an outsider to a situation like this, I tend to ask myself a question, what's the best way to help? You know, now that you've had a little bit of time to reflect on this and different people can help in different ways, but could you talk through a little, a few of the ways that people could help in different parts of this kind of scenario? Well, I think it's communication, I, I suppose, outreach, spending time in, in the real world with somebody who's having problems like this, or even just on the phone. But other than that, there's not a whole lot to do you know, making sure the person has therapy and if they want access to medication, making sure they have access to medication. But I think one of the hardest things about mental health issues is that there's not a whole lot you can do. I guess what I would say in my situation, what's been particularly traumatizing for me is that there's a lot of people who, as I was going through this stuff, got scared or offended because I, you know, I said some stuff that was completely insane. Basically, I was so out of my mind, you know, as, as you said, you know, that you know, the podcast that you're referring to, I think that was probably like a year ago. And then there was just a, a slow degradation over time. And it kind of culminated in some just real deeply crazy stuff that I did, you know, at the end of last year. And people are are not really forgiving. And I just wish... I wish people could judge based on, you know, the aggregate of, you know, how somebody acts for, you know, a longer span of time 
rather than who they were in an acutely weak moment. I want to move on to accountability because one thing I think is hard is to not just apologize, but hold oneself accountable. And then I think there's another side of this is that as someone on the outside, when we hold someone accountable, when do we accept the apology? When do we say, hey, we believe you're taking accountability for this. And if you want to get back on track, we all allow that. And I think that part of the discussion, I think, is maybe where you're at at this point of time. In your eyes, what does accountability look like in terms of, hey, I realize what I've done and here's what I need to do next? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of accountability is about accepting punishment. And believe me, this has been a punishing experience. You know, my, my network has been really damaged from this. And I think the other side of accountability is actually stopping the offensive behavior. And I guess admitting to what you've done, which is what I've tried to do in, in that previous episode I posted and this episode right now. You know, for me, it's tricky because I said some things that I was so paranoid. I was so out of my mind. I was so confused about the state of reality. You know, I could go into it in more detail, but it's really just extremely embarrassing the things that I was convinced of. You know, I was convinced that Mark Zuckerberg was following me, and I was convinced that everybody I knew was out to get me. And it's just, it's incredibly, I'm so ashamed of it. And it led to offensive behavior. And I, you know, I, I take responsibility for it. And I think, you know, part of why I'm stuttering so much and why I don't, I don't even know how to address this is like, I can take responsibility for it. And I do take responsibility for it. But the thing that's so heartbreaking about it is it's so the things that I said and the ways that I acted are so the inverse of how I feel, because this is the community that I have invested so much in and that I, I want to be a part of so much to have said things and done things that make people feel like I am an attacker or I'm a hostile agent within the community is so heartbreaking to me. So I, you know, all I can say is I take responsibility for it and I wish it never happened. And I was really confused. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? No, I think part of my maturity, even for, you know, I'll talk about maybe two areas of maturity. I remember I was dating someone when I was 20 years old and had convinced myself that this person would cheat on me. Not that they did, but they would. And your mind just goes into this thing where everything becomes evidence or potential evidence. And in my case, at 20 years old, this is not stuff you go and talk to people about because you know that they will think that you're missing something here, that you're overreacting to something that isn't there because talking through it, even with yourself, it doesn't make sense. But for some reason, I held on to just that belief until I got enough quote unquote evidence to make it true in my mind to justify behavior such as breaking up with the person. And I left it at that. And actually, I don't think I had to face any accountability for that because the blast radius was so small. It just, I ended a relationship probably for unjust cause, right? Like as if you need one. And in my work life, I remember being so passionate about a tech decision. What CICD system should we use? And I remember sometimes you just hold on 
to a belief so much that it becomes a detriment to the team. You're trying to find logic, fallacies where they don't exist. You try to take some upper hand, maybe because you're the most experienced engineer or because you have enough political capital that you can outspend the other person to get your way. And so it took me a long time to really understand that those are situations that will come about, but I had to learn how to look at those scenarios and step back, like literally step back for a second and just say, you know what, here's what I'm feeling and get comfortable talking about it. But it took 10 years of me focusing on those situations will come up. You can't avoid them, but here's how you behave when they arise. And so from an accountability standpoint, I noticed that other people do these things as well. And so when I see other people behave this way, I try to step back and say, yo, this is not the best version of this person. Right here and now in this isolated moment, this is a situation. So how do I want to deal with the situation? And so as a person who grew up and you know, maybe you saw your parents argue, I never wanted to be that person. So what I learned to do was if my partner, my wife was in a certain space, I would step back and say, let me give this person room to be as they are right now and not hold them to this is who they are all of our 15 years, 16 years of marriage. This is just a scenario. And I think stepping back helped me see the big picture, bring the big picture into focus. So I think in the tech community, over my career, I've seen a lot of people make mistakes publicly, like the likes of Linus Tolverd, the way he treats or responds to people on mailing lists. And I think in the tech community, we have the right to call it out. We have the right to demand a behavior change. But I also think we have, in my case, in my own case, I'm not saying anyone else has to do it, but if I can see an opportunity to help someone get on a better course, then I'm willing to step up and do that. Meaning if someone wants to reach out and to apologize, I'm willing to pick up the phone, listen, and even brainstorm about what it will take to get back right. Because I think at some point, what if I were to slip? What if something actually happened to me? What if the roles were reversed? How would I want people to accept me back into the community? How would I want people to examine my entire timeline and weigh it against those temporary actions? And so that just gives me enough empathy for the situation to, in many ways, hold people accountable, but also take on a little bit of that responsibility of helping them get back on track. And honestly, I end up trusting people once I see how they behave do those scenarios. Like, it's really hard to trust someone who's never done anything wrong. Like, if you've never done anything wrong, I guess I'm trusting you by default, but I don't know how you will behave if something really critical went down, right? And then how you recover from it. And so even though I don't think a lot of people want to find out, but that's, in my opinion, how a lot of trust is actually built, how people deal with situations that come up. And if you've done the wrong thing, then how do you own up to it and how you move past it while not trying to ignore that it happened? And it may take some people years to forgive you, but I learn a lot from those scenarios. And I think that's an important part of the whole living thing. So I think for someone like you, I listened to that post that you put up and it's the first time I've heard anyone in tech, if ever, talk about this part of it. Most people will say burnout is real and they're just taking time off, but we never get to peek into 
how it all unfolds. And we never really get to see how long it takes to repair, right? We don't get to see that process. We just don't get to talk about it. So I think as part of this, you do have a voice. I think maybe this is a good opportunity to start thinking about what is it like to talk to the whole person? I know you do that from time to time on your podcast. Sometimes you help people understand what's behind the tech, the people behind the tech, but what other skill sets should a aspiring developer seek to acquire, right? You can get really great behind the keyboard, but what about all the other human attributes? Should we also be putting work into that? And if a result of this, if one of the outcomes from this is that you can help all of those engineers out there be better at being humans and not just technologists, I think that's a win for the community. But that's something that you would actually have to do long-term, right? When we have a root cause analysis in the tech world, we identify the scenario. We try to own up to it and be very thorough to make sure that we're not overlooking something. And then we hold ourselves accountable going forward to try our best to make sure nothing like that happens again, or at least doesn't happen the same way again. Because I don't think it would be fair to say you should never end up in a state like this again. I think is if you do end up in a state like this again, is there a different way to handle it when it shows up and then help other people be able to deal with certain things as well? Yeah, well said. My closing question for you is what now? You know, people like me are definitely looking forward to you going through this in your way learning how to support people because I'm pretty sure this won't be the last time in my career, in my life, that this comes up. But I'm also looking forward to you giving your analysis, giving people a voice in our community. What's next? I'm figuring that out myself. You know, I wake up every day asking myself that question. You know, I beyond just saying things, in public that were unhinged. This has taken a massive toll on my personal life and you know it's it's been financially damaging. There's a lot of rebuilding and, and fixing to do. And you know I think right now I'm I'm in maintenance mode. You know I I want to I want to stay alive. And that means continuing to operate the business, continuing to focus on producing high quality content. It's painful because I have to put a few dreams on hold right now. There were other businesses I wanted to start. There were investing opportunities that I had where doors are probably closed now and probably closed for some period of time because you know so much of this business is, is networking and it closes you off to a lot of opportunities when people see interacting with you as a liability. So when I ask people for advice on what to do about that, a lot of them say, you know, oh, well, go build a new network. And I'm like, well, look, unfortunately, the network in the software world is actually kind of small. And, you know, there's only so many kind of like CEOs and influencers and, and investors and people that are that are pretty important to maintain good relationships with as a media person. So, you know, fixing that stuff up, it's going to be tricky, you know. So short answer is I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of reflection. I don't know. I think this is a perfect opportunity to go build those relationships, the, the human ones. There's people you've never met. There's people you're yet to meet. Uh, there's people you already know, myself included. You now have that opportunity. 
you know, when we talked earlier in this podcast, we talked about how you kind of put a lot of weight on your shoulders with the different business ventures, the podcast, all of these things. You weren't able to find the time to invest in those human relationships, cultivate those things. Honestly, it sounds like this kind of gift you've been given, I know you received it in the, in the worst way possible, but it seems like now you have the time to go and use that time to go build those relationships, whether they're new relationships or old ones, whether you're repairing or cultivating, celebrating, it's still an investment in those relationships. Because with my friends, there have always been ups and downs. And I think now you have the time. So I would look at this as kind of that opportunity. It's like when I have something fall off my schedule, right? I have an important meeting and it gets canceled last minute. I look at that time that I've been given back to say, wow, what should I go do with it? And it feels like maybe your calendar cleared up a little bit and you got a bit of control over what you do with it. Yeah. I certainly have gotten reached out to by a lot of people and I am building some new relationships that way. You know, I, I know I'm not the only one that has been through some stuff, especially in recent memory. And yeah, fostering a more balanced lifestyle, you know, it's been forced upon me. So yeah, I'm hoping for the best. Awesome. All right. I'm looking forward to what you do, what you continue to build and share in the future. And just know, look, you have people like me in this community that actually care. We care beyond the success. We don't measure people's values in dollars. We just like real humans. And a lot of this, what you have on display is humanity. And so I wouldn't beat yourself up too much. Accountability is okay, but there's no reason to throw in the towel when you have so many people cheering for you. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for being open to talking and for coming on the show to do this with me and just for understanding. Yeah. It's been rough and having people like you that are giving me a second chance is much appreciated. So thank you. Awesome. So you can see here the things that Kelsey was saying was really trying to, I felt, I felt like he was saying all the right things, like trying to get him to commit to uh, improving, trying to get him to not expect too much of himself and uh, to mend relationships slowly and patiently. Um, I would say that he probably struggled privately for another six months um, and not really finding a way out. Um, I did a, a couple of things which I ultimately didn't really work. Um, I invited him to... Uh, so, you know, Jeff has had essentially two careers, one in poker and one in tech. I was like, dude, you've started yourself over once. You can start yourself over again. Um, leave tech behind for a little bit. Um, and ultimately, I think uh, the uh, he wasn't able to. Um, also, I think being physically in San Francisco doesn't help. Um, when you need, when you are in such a environment that um, is putting you in such mental stress, um, getting out of the environment and changing it completely can totally change your mood and psychological being. Um, I tried doing that, didn't work. Um, and there are a lot of things I, I wish uh, that we could have done. You know, ultimately, I've, it felt like he was saying all the right things for being better, um, but just ultimately he wasn't. And uh, I did, I do, uh, I think a, a lot of us in his inner circle were asking ourselves if there was some more sign that we could have done something. Um, I think deep down, we knew that there was only so much we can do, especially if we we're just not physically there uh, to stage an intervention which we talked about 
to call uh, the, the the we actually even looked up the laws for uh, involuntary commitment which was also talked about with him um and he was very very strongly against it um and uh yeah i i i don't know how to <clears throat> do this except um you know raise awareness about it is it kind of a traumatic experience for um a lot of us in 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 just some um, circles um I don't wish it on anyone, but I do think that it happens often enough that you do need to be exposed to the warning signs to try to save a life if you can, try to be a good friend if you can. Um, but also, if stuff happens, stuff happens. Um, you cannot let yourself be too mentally affected by it. Life goes on, um, and it's ultimately his choice. Um, and that's what I have so far about it. I, I don't think about it much. I don't talk about it much. Uh, but now, when I detect a mental health case, I am that much more aware, and I have that uh, history behind me. All right, be well. Tomorrow will be more fun, I promise. <laughs>